Okay, Matthew chapter 19, reading from verse 1. When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said, Because your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciple said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. Okay, so it says very specifically that in verse 3 of chapter 19 that some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him. This was not sincerely wanting to know an answer to a question. This was a test. And you know, when, when you are approached with questions that you know are coming as a test, you answer them maybe a little bit differently than you would if it was just a sincere question. But Jesus answers this question. They say to him in verse 3, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? I mean, look at where this has come to. And this is 2,000 years ago. It came to the point where, can a man divorce his wife for any reason at all. Any reason can a man divorce his wife. You know, just to put it in proper context, and I'm I'm not, not saying this is good, I'm not saying this is bad, I'm just saying it is what it is. In Israel, even to this day, a woman cannot divorce her husband. Only a husband can divorce his wife. Even to this day in Israel. In fact, sometimes husbands are such buffoons that the rabbis go and beg the husbands to please let this marriage divorce for the sake of this woman that they care about. But that, is, that remains to this day in Israel. Now his answer to them is, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So long so, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Period. That's it. That encompasses Jesus' answer. That's it. It was not until they probed him and pushed him further. And they said, What did Mo they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wife. 
But from the beginning, it's not been this way. You, say, you see, they said, Moses commanded us to do this. And he said, no, Moses never commanded you to do this. Moses permitted you to do this because of your hardness of heart. So, they are quoting from a, uh, a portion here in the Old Testament. They're quoting from this portion in Deuteronomy. So, so, let's turn to Deuteronomy. This is the fifth book of your Bible. And you find Deuteronomy, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24, and you'll see the context of this. Deuteronomy chapter 24, reading from verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that he finds no favor, that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from his house. And she leaves his house and goes and becomes the wife of another man and then it goes on. Specifically what they were asking about is this verse. It never says for any reason at all. It says that he has found some indecency in her. But it also says, when a man takes a wife and marries her. Now keep your finger right there and turn over to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Because this is where Jesus goes back to. The Pharisees go back to this portion in Deuteronomy. Jesus goes back to this portion in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2. Verse 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and the woman were both naked and were not ashamed. The two become one flesh. This is exactly what Jesus says to them. When they ask him about the question of divorce, he says... From the beginning, let me tell you the way God prescribed this to be. The two become one flesh. What God has joined, let no man separate, Jesus says. And they take him to this verse. Now look at what happens. It says in verse 24 of, of Genesis chapter 2. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and, the, and they shall become one flesh. This thing of leaving father and mother is constantly used, and maybe rightly so, in several situations, to encourage mothers and fathers to let their children have a life. I'm not sure if that's the context, however. For this reason, for what reason? Because the two have become one flesh. A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. But you see, what's here is that there's a mother and there's a father. There's a mother and a father involved in this one flesh union. Keep your finger there. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that, he finds, that she finds no favor in his eyes because he's found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce... Look how different this is. When a man takes a wife and marries her, where are the parents? Where are they? I don't need parents. I can make my own decision. I know what I need. I know it. I don't need anybody to tell me. 
who I should marry and who I shouldn't marry, or this person's good for me. I made the decision. I took a wife. It's very different than the way God had meant it to be before the fall. He said, a man needs to leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. There's a father and a mother involved here. A father and a mother involved. Fathers and mothers have this amazing gift from God. They absolutely do not deserve it, but it has been given to them from God to have a pretty good idea of who is good for their child and who isn't. They have a pretty good idea. And I think it is a huge mistake for a man to take a wife based on his own judgment and make that decision on his own without the counsel of his mother and his father. Because God has given them an ability to know, is this person good for my child? Is this man good for my daughter? I was talking with a man recently, and he said that his daughter was dating a guy in high school, in college, and he had told her, he said, you know, you and I are very close. And this young man that you're dating, and this, this, this relationship is getting deeper and deeper, I don't think that he's right for you. And the closer you get to him, the more it's going to strain our relationship, because I don't think he's right for you. And this girl... Based on that, because she respected her father, stopped seeing this young man and is now very happily married to a man that she met about a year after that incident. And I really respected this young lady for taking her father's counsel in that way. I think parents need to be really careful that we hear from God on these sort of things. But I think children need to really listen, even to unbelieving parents, Because God has given them such a gift. There is the whole community involved. It is not just a man taking a wife. And it says in verse 20, in chapter 24 of Deuteronomy, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that he, she finds no favor in his eyes because he's found some indecency. Well, the parents would have seen this indecency. This lack of favor, this lack of being appropriate, long before the marriage ever took place, the parents see it. And the parents have an eye for this sort of thing. Because love is truly blind. The decisions that young men make in this realm and young women make often amaze me. How can you be enamored with this individual? There's nothing there. Well, I'm not sure I'll ever get another. Well, better not to have any than to have that one. And I've known many, many women that weep because of loose decisions that they've made in this realm. And the young people that I know that have gone expressly against the parents' will end up in big problems. If you are convinced that that relationship is of God, you pray that God turns your parents' hearts if, if your parents don't agree, uh, agree. You pray that God turns them. You honor God and pray that God turns them. Because to have the community, to have the family in a marriage is critical for the marriage to survive. 
with a 50% divorce rate, more than 50% divorce rate in the world and in the church. That means half of you, half of you in here are going to undergo the pain of divorce. And it is deeply painful. You say, well, it's not going to happen to me. We love each other. I don't know a couple that has ever gotten married that didn't love each other. Maybe it happens, but I don't know. So they all start out loving each other. So that doesn't work. That in itself is not enough. There's a community involved here. When I started liking Shireen, I just, every time she would go near me, my heart would start pounding. And I was praying for months, months about this thing. I brought the church into this decision before engagement. And they shared it with their family. Families were involved. The church was involved. For a long period of time before we got engaged, for almost a year before we got engaged, the church and the family were praying. And in fact, I committed it to the leadership of the church. I said, look, if you guys don't agree, I don't want to do it. I don't want to make a mistake here. And after six months, everyone was in agreement except the associate pastor, who I really honored. They said, well, we won't get engaged then. And then the pastor said, wait, either he's hearing from God or we are. Let's pray another six months. And then after another six months, we got engaged. It was just before I had to leave for graduate school. But you know what's happened? Even in our marriage, and we've had our share of problems, I never, never, never has the thought crossed my mind that I made a mistake. That this was the wrong girl. Never. And you speak to couples and they'll tell you, oh, this thought has gone through their minds many a time. Never has it entered in. Because all these people that are outside the hormonal situation are not going to be swayed. Wrongly. Because these chemicals that work in the individual's bodies who are involved in this relationship can mask, totally mask them to the unknown, to the things that that are obvious to everyone else. And that's why it says the guy takes this wife and it happens. She finds no favor in his sight. Well, what happened? Why did you take her? I don't know. I don't know why I did it. I mean, she looked good at the moment. It's a difference between taking a wife and a man leaving his father and his mother and developing that relationship with his wife. And then let's turn back to Matthew chapter 19. And it says, and the two, in verse 5, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh. Keep your finger right there. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We are going to see a glaring difference here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 16. 1 Corinthians 6, 16. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. So you see, he says in verse 16, when you join yourself to a prostitute, the two are one body. You are one body with her. 
For he says the two become one flesh. He's saying in marriage the two become one flesh. In a non-marital union, sexual union, they become one body. The word flesh and the word body in the Greek are very different words here. God says they become one flesh in marriage. In In a union outside of marriage, they're but one body. And there is a big difference. In marriage, my life is your life. Your life is my life. People will say to each other, young people will say to each other, you know, let's go play tennis together, let's go to a movie together, let's go sleep together. They don't say, let's go have children together. Because they are not one flesh. When you become one flesh with somebody... It is, I love you so much, I want more people like you around. I want children around. I want children that look like you, that have your eyes. I love you that much. There is one flesh. I am with you in this, for better or for worse. I am with you in this, for joy and the pain. We will share everything together. Our money is shared. Our home is shared. Our bed is shared. Our life is shared. Our children are shared. Our experiences and the pains are shared. That is very different than one body. I am here for my convenience and you are here for my convenience. It is very different. The two become one flesh. This one flesh union has so impacted my life. I hate to be without Shireen by my side. You know, I've heard men say, oh, I just had to you know, get away from you know, my wife. I had to get out. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I just like to be with my wife. I don't like to go out with the guys without my wife. Now, she doesn't always want to go out with us. <laughs> but I like having her there. I enjoy her. And the experiences, we've been married almost 25 years, and the experiences that we've had together, that we share together, it is our life. It is our life together. We met when we were 20 years old. We've had this life together. We've had life together. The same experiences, the same people, the first people that came into our home when we were first married, we remember that. Oh yeah, remember this guy from Venezuela came in our home and we talk about this. And the times we laugh, we're only, Shireen and I can laugh about it. Because we'll remember at the same instant a common experience that we've had. The same instance. I mean, silly things. We were once in a guy's house. The guy's name was Henry Amarasuria. And, and he, he, he was from, from um, Sri Lanka. So we were in graduate school, and we go to visit his house. And you know, after the meal, he says, do you want some ice cream? I say, sure, just a little bit. You know, I was just being polite. Well, the guy gave me half a teaspoon of ice cream in my bowl. (laughs) Obviously, in Sri Lanka, a little bit is different than American, a little bit of ice cream. And Shireen looked at me and smiled, and I looked at her and smiled. And any time, any time that she serves me food, and it's just a little bit. I say, thanks, Henry. And she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because we are one flesh, and we laugh together. Together. 
Only in a lifelong experience can you do something like this. Can you laugh about this? I mean, instances that, that only, only couples can have who have had this one flesh. One day, well, I've gotten Shireen upset many times. It's really hard to do, but I'm successful at it. And one day I got her upset and she did something very unusual. She was so frustrated. She was walking and she came by the, 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 uh, the dryer and she just kicked it. And it was so funny. <laughs> the kids and I looked at this. Here she was upset and she kicked the dryer and the dryer goes, bong. I mean, I'm telling you, if I was angry and I kicked the dryer, it would have gone through the drywall. It really would have. And so the kids and I would go by and try to wiggle like that and kick the dryer. And so, to, to us, this is a point of laughter to this day. This, this was 15 years ago. But to this day, you're going to kick the dryer today? You know, this is the one flesh union where you become one life together. This only in a marriage. We have had our share of problems, many of them. We have been through counseling. We have been to health. We have, we have been through this. And the counselor said, look, this is not Shireen's fault. Even professional counselors will go to them. And they say, Jim, Shireen is a normal sinner. The guy said to me, but you, Jim, are a messed up sinner. So I take full responsibility. I really do. And my cry to them was, okay, help me. Because for us, divorce was never an option. It's not an option. So either we're going to live together in war, or we're going to live together in peace, and I'd much rather have peace. So I say, help me. I will do whatever you tell me to do. And every counselor that we've ever gone to, when I tell them that, they said, you're going to be easy. You're going to be easy to help. And I, as the man, in every case, initiated, I think we need to go to a counselor on this one. Because men are a bunch of wimps and they wait for their wife to suggest this and then the men think, men think, I don't need that. I need it. I really need it because I want to be one flesh with my wife and not just one body like with a prostitute. And it says, flee immorality. This is a sin against your own flesh. I want to be one flesh. This is, this, I want to be one flesh with my wife. And we have these experiences together. You know, one day after our fourth child, we were eating dinner, Shri and I were eating dinner, and the kids were in the family room just screaming. I mean, th- this, was, this was a long time ago. I mean, Ben was just a little baby, and, and, uh, and so we're sitting there eating, and we're both exhausted. And the kids are screaming, and she looks up at me, she says, so, you want to have another one? And... You know, know, because I've always pushed her for more kids. And just smiled. And to this day, we laugh about this. This is, so you want to have another one? Only Shireen and I can share this together. Because we've lived this life together. This is a treasure which you can have. This is not out of your grasp. Many of you have come from homes and experienced the pain of divorce. You don't have to relive it. I mean, this is, this is exactly what it says. He said, they said, how do you do this? He says, the two become one flesh. He's saying, it's within your grasp. It's within your grasp. 
This is not impossible to have. It's not impossible to have this kind of relationship. It does take work, but I am telling you, it is so worth it. I come home from work. If Shireen's not there, I mean, the home is empty. And I'm looking around, where's Shireen? Shireen? And I hear walking down the steps, and it's, oh, it's just Josiah. Oh, it's just you. Where's Mom? I don't know. You know, typical 15-year-old. Where's Mom? I don't know. Is she home? I don't know. Where'd she go? I don't know. Right? No, everything to a 15-year-old is, I don't know. And I'm looking all over, where's Mom? Where is she? Why? Because the home is not the same without her. And she will say, that's just because I feed you. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but it's not just that. I like to have her there. I mean, I can be such a pest. Such a pest. I mean, we're eating and I keep hooking her arm. And here, you eat like that and I'll eat like this. And I mean, to this day, I still bother her like this. And she says, you know, you can be such a pest. But to me, this is my flesh. We are joined together. We have our kids together. And, you know, so much of our conversation now alone revolves around the children. Do you hear what Umbreen said? Umbreen is feeling this way, da, da, da. And we relate all these experiences we had with our kids. I say, remember, Umbreen always used to come and jump on my back when I'd come home and and, you know, just all of these experiences, only she knows this. Because we experienced this life together. This, is, this whole idea is that, remember what we, we had discussed when we were talking about the scriptural sexual ethics. If this thought, if this word, if this action is not in the other's best interest, it is not the love of Christ. The love of Christ was constantly there to give Himself for the other. Is this thought, is this word, is this action in the other's best interest? And that's why outside of marriage, you cannot say that a sexual relationship is in the other's best interest. You cannot, because implicit within that union is children. Is that in the other's best interest outside of marriage? Is that in the other's best interest? This relationship, is it in the other's best interest for a lifetime? Outside of the union of marriage, this is never in the other's best interest. It is all self-interest. You know, for those of you who attended the early service, this man who was there who spoke, this, this man who came up with his wife and, and, and talked, when he was getting down from the stage, I said to Shireen, I said, Shireen, that is the biggest man in this church. I mean, to see the way that that man came in and married this woman who had, who had a Down syndrome child with leukemia and ministered to her for a long time before they ever even got married and took care of this child. How he gave of himself. This is the model of a man. And this is the model of Jesus. Only when they push him on this point of divorce does he turn and does he stop. And he said in verse 8 of Matthew 19, he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. In other words, it 
this is not the prescription that God gave from the beginning. That came in as a result of the sin of men's hearts. Moses permitted you, he never commanded you, but he permitted you to divorce your wife because of your hardness of heart. He says, from the beginning, it was never meant to be that way. From the beginning, they were naked and unashamed when they were one flesh. And in chapter 3, right after the sin, it says that they were naked and ashamed and they hid themselves from each other and from God. And only, only in marriage, where it is a self-sacrifice, can there be this unashamed union. From the beginning, it was never meant to even consider divorce. Jesus, they asked him, can a man divorce his wife? He says, the two become one flesh. What are you talking about? And only when they pressed him on the issue, he says, okay, you want to know? Your hearts stink. And that's why this is able to come in. If divorce is never even a question, you don't have to go into all these qualifications. You see, as soon as the question of the fall comes in, the question of immorality comes in, the question of adultery comes in, then the question of divorce comes in. It's never even a question in a proper union. Jesus ended his statement there and only when they pushed him. They said, he said, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wife. As soon as divorce, the word divorce is, in verse 9, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So the condition for divorce is immorality. So as soon as the word divorce comes in, you've got to bring in immorality too. It's just the sequence of things. And this word immorality is this word fornication, which means any kind of sexual disorder. That is adultery, that is pedophilia, that is, that, that is bestiality, it includes all of that. That would be the only grounds for divorce, Jesus says. But it was never even supposed to approach that. That question was never even supposed to be considered. He says, from the beginning, it was not intended to be that way. And you know the blessed hope of all of this? You don't have to ever get to that point. There is a way of success in marriage. You make it a community. You marry into a family. My family was unbelievers totally at the time. But they welcomed Shireen in. And they, she became part of the family. Her family welcomed me in. We were married. There was family. There was the community. There was the church. It was not just, hey, I think that this is a good one. Remember, you make a big mistake. You wake up one day and you go, what have I done? Bring the community in and there is great blessing. Share this with people that you value their opinion. And there is great blessing in that. The two becoming one flesh. You have something so precious to look forward to in marriage. We've had our difficulties, but they pale in comparison to the joy that I have in marriage with my wife. And you say, well, you, you know, the, me and his wife, we would just... Look, my wife and I were from very different cultures. I was born in New York City. She was born in Lahore, Pakistan. I mean, very different cultures. I was born and raised a Jew. She was born in an evangelical Christian home. 
I was born a secular Jew. Very different backgrounds. So you can't tell me, oh, well, you know, our cultures are so different, it's harder for us. I mean, we've had it. But I love this woman. I love to be with her. She is my life. She is my flesh. And what I encourage you to do is pray to God that you find a spouse that you can become one flesh with. And that you can enjoy the 25 years later, you look back at all the experiences you've had together and you say, this has been a rich life together. This has been a rich life as we care for one another and we laugh with one another and we cry with one another and we cry over our children and we get on our knees together praying for our children and we go to their bedsides while they're sleeping if there's something they're struggling with and we cry out together on our knees by their bedside. Only with my wife could I do this. And that brings me great strength. When I've had a hard day at the office, I just want to go home and I want to lay down on the couch, put my head on Shireen's lap and have her just say, oh, what's wrong? And I tell her all the stuff that's wrong in my life. Oh, yeah, that is hard. Mm. Mm. I need that. I really need that. That to me is life. That is the one flesh union. And you cannot experience this without marriage. You cannot experience that. That for a lifetime, I am yours. For a lifetime, I am yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the words of Jesus where he brought us right back to the beginning. The two become one flesh. And in the eyes of their parents, and in the approval of their parents, the two become one flesh. Father, I thank you that these young people need not ever experience the pain of divorce as they make the counseled decisions in you regarding these matters. And as they live their lives in accordance to the Scripture, they need never experience that pain. Father, I pray that through this class, many, many of the young people here would take hold of this message and pray to that end to find a spouse that loves you, that honors you, that glories in your word. And the two would become one flesh. And that many precious children would be raised up in complete homes. Raised up. Loving God. Father, have mercy on these young people, I pray. Watch over them. And may they walk according to the truths of your word. In the name of Jesus. Amen.